What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Up Before You podcast with me, Connor Warman. This episode of the Up Before You podcast is brought to you by Ticket Weirdo. With concert and game season just around the corner, the timing is perfect for those of you listening who want to plan your summer events. We've teamed up with Ticket Weirdo to make buying tickets this season super affordable. What's great about Ticket Weirdo is they are the only ticket site that doesn't charge you hidden service fees and also donates a portion of your purchase to charity. Check them out by simply going to TicketWeirdo.com and typing in code UBY at checkout to save an extra 10% off unlimited ticket purchases throughout the year. Once again, that's UBY at checkout to save an extra 10% off your ticket purchases and to keep it weird this summer. Now guys, if you have a moment, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave a 5-star rating and a review. It only takes a second and is a great way to support the show, and the feedback means a lot to me. If you like this episode of the podcast, please share with family and friends and share via social media and make sure to tag Up Before You. And lastly, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook and visit upbeforeyou.com to keep up to date with all the latest episodes, news, and updates surrounding the show. Okay, my guest today is Cheryl Nasso. Cheryl is a CrossFit Games athlete who has made appearances as both a team and individual athlete. Cheryl is also a nutrition coach, and she just launched her very own podcast. On this episode of the podcast, we talk about her experiences at this year's Rogue Invitational, her struggles with an eating disorder, how she found CrossFit, competing, nutrition coaching, and much, much more. As always, I truly hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And now, let's get on with the show. How, how, how have things been? How was your summer? Oh, man. My summer was... I, don't even, I can't even believe it's over. It's, it's weird. Crazy. I know. It's weird to say that because it doesn't... It feels like we just skipped it. This year like, has just been so bizarre with the whole COVID. And honestly, like, I guess it was... I actually had, I guess, a pretty good summer. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I was transitioned a lot. The gym that I was working at closed down. Um, like, for good? And that was weird. So we had. I had to, like, transition to a new gym and... That was kind of difficult. Um, had the Rogue Invitational. Like yeah. I've had a lot. I've had some cool stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got to go to Nashville, so I got to experience flying in the middle of COVID. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> that good. was weird too. I did that too. That was weird to fly. I actually was happy because it was so easy. Yeah. Oh I yeah. I hate when yeah. I go to the airport and I'm like sitting in the line forever and all that kinds of stuff. So yeah. So your gym. Your gym closed down like permanently. Yeah, yeah. It's it was a shitty situation. It it had all started before the Rogue Invitational, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you want me just to start talking or whatever. But um, sure, yeah. Basically, they owed the landlord a ton of money, and they were not telling anybody about it. And I mean, I'm talking like the rent there was like ten or eleven thousand dollars a month, and they were back due like from before COVID. Oh jeez. And what happened was. Like they were just not paying them and they went and bought a bunch of equipment and the the landlord was like, what's going on? And how are you buying this equipment and not paying me? Cause he was mm-hmm. kind of giving them grace cause of COVID. And he's like, we don't understand how I'm not getting paid. But she, so long story short, they were like kicked out, like gave everybody three days notice and left. Like just, just like that. Out. Just was like, we're closing. And it was crazy. It was really crazy. It was bizarre. So it was, it, it was con. It was stressful for me because well, I will tell you right now, Rogue, hands down, like best equipment company ever. They are so awesome. Like mm-hmm. I, and I know I'm not just saying that cause I'm, I'm not sponsored by them, but they're just, they're very, 
they're very good people. For that Rogue Invitational, they went above and beyond and they were offering the host gym $1,000 to be able to just close their gym for two days on a Saturday and a Sunday to host the event because they needed to be completely quiet mm -hmm. for the broadcasting. And my gym owners were not willing to do that. And so I had to go to a different gym. They got mad that they weren't getting the money. So then it caused issues with me and them. So I was already like, dude, this is so like, they were like, they were going crazy. They were like, we're suing Rogue for letting a CrossFit or hosting a CrossFit competition at a non-sanctioned or non-CrossFit affiliate. And I'm like, dude, people are doing these workouts. Like, like Noah did it like in his front yard. Like, yeah. you know, like it was just, they don't care. So I don't know. But anyways, wow. yeah. That sounds just terrible especially going into like a big event like that i would hate that i literally i was like i finally so i was like you know what so i'm at a gym right now that's not even a crossfit gym which is weird for me but they do crossfit they just don't call it crossfit you know they, yeah. they just they don't pay the affiliation fee so that's something that i might actually end up talking to them about like hey are we gonna affiliate like i don't mind being a part of that but because I want to be able to do the open and stuff, and I don't want to have to go to another gym for that, you mm -hmm. know? Okay, so that's a good place to start. Can you tell me a little bit about the Rogue Invitational? Like, take me back to when it kind of got canceled, or not canceled, but, yeah, canceled, I guess, and then when you found out it was going to be online, what you thought about that, and then ultimately what it was like competing online yeah. in that format. It's so funny. Um, in my friend's garage, who I train at often, um, he, he has, like, a board, and we kind of created, like, a goal board, and like pre-COVID, it was like, I want to be top 10 at the Rogue Invitational, this and that. And like, I like crossed it out and I like wrote, survive the apocalypse. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what is going on in yeah. this world? Um, so they, it, was, it was such a cool experience. They just reached out and they were like, hey, like, we know we can't have you guys, we can't host it here, but we would love to still do this event. Like, would you be willing to, if we could make it happen, do it at your gym? So I asked them at that time and they were like, yeah, sure. And um they like, they gave us like some, um, I guess some, what does it look at? What am I, what's, what I'm looking for? They, they basically asked for some photos and stuff at the location to see if it was going to work and stuff like that to see what we had available to us, what we needed. Um, and so, and then like a couple of weeks later, they started going about the, the process leading up to it was extremely stressful. Like the testing of the, the Wi-Fi. I'm like, what is all this? Like, yeah. dude, I just want to work out. Like they went above and beyond to make mm -hmm. as professional as they could. Um, they sent us a whole pallet of equipment completely to our, for us to keep. Oh, so wow. yeah, a rogue bike. Uh, if you didn't have a pull-up bar, they would have sent you a pull-up bar. Wow. You know, if you didn't have a rower, they would have sent you a rower. They sent me a whole set of plates, a box, a ball. I don't know if I'm happy that they sent me that ball or not. That ball was miserable, <laughs> um, but it was good. I, I was almost, I was scared because I qualified for the Rogue Invitational right before the Age Masters qualifiers. And the week of that, I was doing a workout with box jump overs. And I should not be rebounding. I've had an ankle injury for a long time. And I was rebounding, practicing some things. And my ankle has not been the same since. Mm -hmm. So I had been nursing it since, I guess, March. Like, And I'd been able to do things, but it had slowly gotten better. But I still couldn't do double unders. I still had a like. Still haven't been running on the pavement. I've only been running on an assault runner just because it's a little bit more ankle friendly. Um, and then that came up and I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm kind of excited to do it. I felt like I was in a good place. And then that freaking double under workout came mm -hmm. up and it was like, I don't even know how heavy that rope is. It was heavy, but <laughs> that destroyed my ankle. So 
but the experience was really cool. Um, they flew a judge with float. They drove the judge drove down. They paid a judge. Yeah. Um, hands down, like he's like they went above and beyond. They paid him better than the CrossFit Games did. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if you want them. I don't know if you want that on there or not. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so nice, super cool, um, very professional. Um, it was awesome. It was really cool. Um, you know, I, I definitely I was nervous because of my ankle, but like and nervous obviously because I was stressed out because I don't I don't live the lifestyle of like a full time athlete anymore. And I, I think back to how I was two years ago, everything revolved around my training and now it's like work train, work train, work cover train. Like so I don't really have all that time. And so leading up to it, I was getting really stressed out when they're like, We need you to be available between the hours of eight and two on Thursday. I'm like I work like I can't just like tell all my clients I'm busy freaking sitting in front of a, you know, in a gym waiting for this thing to, you know, it just, it was stressful, but it was so fun. It was a great experience hands down. And what was it like competing just alone and not knowing, not know like people around you, not knowing what was going on? It's funny because part of me, there was definitely a double-edged sword to it because there was workouts where running my own race was not what I needed to do. I didn't get in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there was workouts where I would have probably pushed a little harder, maybe suffered a little more if I had other people around. So that was really, really, really bizarre. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it was a really cool thing because it did force you to kind of not focus on other people. Right. It was like, this is you, like, what is your best effort right now in these conditions? And, Mm -hmm. and so that was actually kind of cool. I, I actually really liked it. Um, what I loved about it, I will tell you this, is warming up was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't like, I don't know how much you've ever competed, but like, sometimes you warm up and like, you don't go for like 40 minutes. So you're like, what the hell am I warming up for? Yeah. Whereas this was like, all right, Cheryl, you're going to be going in 10 minutes. All right, cool. I'm going to sit down for a few more minutes and yeah. then I'll start moving a barbell. So <laughs> that was so nice to uh-huh. just be like right where I needed to be not having to worry about it. Like I could touch a, I could touch a barbell up until like five minutes before. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to have that experience. I think that was great. I love that. I felt super prepared for all of the workouts in that aspect. And- um, the, uh, what was I going to say about that though? Yeah. So that the other weird thing was you weren't allowed, you were allowed to have people there, but everything had to be quiet. And so I remember the workout with the D ball because my ankle was killing me from the, the double unders. And I was in so much pain. I was like, just push through Cheryl. Like you can do this. Like the squats were just like, every time I caught the bottom of one, it was like the pain. I'm like, and they're just watching me like literally cry. And I'm like, and they couldn't say anything. They're like, <laughs> I'm, like yeah. I'm really not this miserable. Cause I was definitely dying. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was weird. Like no music. That yeah. was weird. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It was cool though. I would definitely do it again. Hands yeah. down. Now, you know? With that, no people next to you and no music and stuff, did that change you going into training after that at all? Like need to rely less on other people and more just on giving your best and everything? Or does that not really affect you? It's so funny because I kind of do that already. Mm -hmm. So like that wasn't much different. Yeah. And I think it was good for me because that is how I train. Most of the time, I, I recently just started kind of developing a little training squad again. Um, because I've honestly trained by myself for so long, um, that, and, or maybe it's like one or two people that'll jump in, but I've done that for so long. The no music thing was weird because I do like having music. Um, but I didn't notice it after I started going. Um, and I guess I do rely on it less now because the gym, so the gym that I was at before, 
they were a, a kind of a, a cool concept of their gym because they had CrossFit, but they also had powerlifting, strongman, a traditional gym session or section in boxing. So we couldn't really have that CrossFit class experience, right? Where like the music's blaring, three, two, one, go. Everything was kind of diluted. Yeah. Like the coach was still coaching CrossFit, but the music experience wasn't the same. So I kind of already gotten used to not having that. Whereas I used to be like, okay, you put my pump song on, I'm about to go. Like I didn't have to do that anymore because I'd kind of gotten used to it. So, but it was definitely, it's definitely different. Gotcha. Yeah. It looked really cool and it was a lot of fun to watch. So I'm glad they were yeah. able to do it. Yeah. I'm super happy. And I definitely want to do it again next year. I yeah. definitely hope they do it. Um, even I'm hoping, obviously we can actually go there. Yeah, I, was right. excited to go to, <laughs> I was excited to go to Rogue. That was the weekend of my birthday and I was kind of planning on making like a little vacation out of it. Yeah. And that all got kind of canceled. So yeah. yeah. Gotcha. You, live? You, live, you live up, you don't live up in Ohio. You live in, um, I live in the Chicago area for about another week and then I'm leaving. Oh, gotcha. Well, yeah. Good for you. Congratulations yeah. on moving. Yeah. Thanks. I, Chicago, I guess. I don't thanks. know. Yeah. So, um, all right, so now switching gears, can you take me all the way back and tell me a little bit about yourself growing up, sports you played, where you grew up, stuff like that? Yeah, sure. So I honestly, I live in the town I grew up in, uh, Port St. Lucie, Florida. Uh, it's becoming a more popular town now. It's about, it's like, it's like in a great area in Florida. So basically, Orlando is an hour and a half north. Miami okay. is an hour and a half south. So it's, Perfect. And it's on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, lived here pretty much my whole life. I've moved a few times. Um, growing up, and I've recently started to talk a lot more about this. I've always wanted to be an athlete, but growing up, I didn't, I started playing soccer because I kind of fell into it. It was, it was a team sport. It was the, the price point wasn't super expensive, but what's funny is I always kind of was like gravitating towards individual sports. Like if I had had my pick, I would have been in martial arts or gymnastics. Like those two things as a kid, I really wanted to learn karate and I really wanted to be in the Olympics. Like those were my mm -hmm. two dreams. And but I fell into soccer. So I played soccer um, all the way up through college um, until I left college. I was going to UCF and um, that was pretty much me. I was, I was kind of a, a tomboy growing up, but I guess you can call me a girly tomboy because I, I kind of definitely still liked the girly things, but you would find me probably more outside in mm -hmm. the woods or something like that, playing manhunt <laughs> than I was like inside. That was yeah. just my thing. Um, and then, yeah, I went to college. Um, I started off at UCF. Uh, which is University of Central Florida. Um, and I originally started off, I was going pre-vet. I wanted to be a veterinarian. So growing up, I, I kind of thought I was going to fall into um, working with animals, uh, wildlife. Um, and then when I got into college, I started to fall in love with fitness and switched my major, switched everything up to exercise science and kind of went all in on that. And so that's kind of how I got into the fitness world. Isn't UCF like the biggest school in the country? Under, undergrad so isn't it, is it maybe for maybe for undergrad i don't even know now i don't know it was basically i call it party town it was <laughs> the the two nicknames that we've given it here is you can't finish or you can't fail okay so those are the two things i heard the most of either you drop out or you take you coast through to take easy classes but either way i i feel pretty happy that i i left i didn't finish my college degree there I started there and I finished at FAU, Florida Atlantic University, okay. um, which is local to where I live. Um, my grandmother got really sick and I ended up coming home to take care of her. And uh, that was when I was 19. So I was already, I had pretty much finished my associates when I graduated high school. So I only, I pretty much finished, I was pretty much already almost done when I, with that, the two years when I got to UCF. So it was kind of cool. 
And you mentioned getting really into fitness. What kind of fitness, like what were you getting into right away? Um, okay, so when I first, so I, I was playing soccer, but so long story short, this is kind of, I, I don't know how much you want to segment, if you want me just to kind of keep going, because it's very complex. Just kind keep of my going, life. yeah. <laughs> just this keep going, wherever you want like, to go. This is kind of like me. Um, so long story short, or short story long, whatever it is, um, I was into soccer, um, I was in college. A lot of shit happened at one time. So um, first year away from home, um, my I was in a relationship, super abusive relationship, emotionally, physically, mentally, just being taken advantage of up there um, and thinking it was okay. I thought it was me. Um, so that happened along with, believe it or not, environmental stress. So there was like three massive hurricanes that hit us that year. Um, and I found out my grandmother was diagnosed with stage four cancer. All happened at once. At the same time, um, I had gained a lot of weight. Uh, like when I say a lot of weight, I was probably 165 at five foot four. I was drinking. I was eating whatever the fuck I wanted, like just pizza, wings, whatever, beer. Um, and I was miserable. And I remember waking up one morning and being like, what am I doing? And I had been up watching late night TV as you, well, you don't do it anymore, but there used to be those infomercials on like all night for like, and I found one for like slim and six, like a beach body, like <laughs> workout program. <laughs> so I bought it and it came in like literally a couple of days before that day. And I just remember like waking up that day. I'm like, and I woke up back that back then at like noon and I'm like, I'm gonna start working out. And I just started working out in my living room and started losing weight and started feeling good. And then people were asking me about it. And then I was like, I kind of like this. So I started getting into the fitness stuff. Um, and then when I moved back home, so my grandmother got really sick and I decided that it was time to come home and kind of help out with the family. Um, I started going to the local college here and I started um, working at Gold's Gym. And I was like, I kind of want to go in on this stuff. So I kind of started shifting my major because I was getting bored of like all the medical stuff with the, the and I was like, I just, I didn't want to be in school for eight years. Honestly, I was like, I don't know that I really want to do this for eight years. And um, I started working at the gym, started being like a personal trainer, um, doing group fitness classes. And that's why I was like, this is kind of where I wanted to be. I, I started to like really want to help other people because I saw like the benefit I was getting. Now, kind of going into where this kind of went the wrong direction is I started to become extremely obsessive about losing weight and it became a way to control my environment. And that segued me into an eating disorder. So um, I became completely engulfed in myself and basically everything else in my life was crazy, chaotic. And my sole purpose was like, I'm gonna control my, my body weight. And I just died to myself and ran myself into the ground. And at that time, nobody really knew how sick I was. They didn't know what was going on in my head. I didn't even, I didn't even know what was going on. I just thought that I was trying to not get fat. That's all I thought. And um, you know, cause back then, I mean, that was what, 15 years ago and people didn't really look at eating disorders the same way as they do now. And so my dad was just like, Cheryl, why don't you just eat more? I'm like, I don't know. Like, there's just something not right. Like nobody really knew. I didn't know. Um, so, so that kind of took a little bit of a dive. It took me a long time to overcome that though. Right. Because I didn't look, I looked sick. Like I looked skinny but I hid it so well. Like I would wear pants all the time. I would wear, and in front of my group fitness classes, I was getting praise. My God, Cheryl's got so much energy. So I was getting 
almost like this confidence boost from it. So I thought I was doing the right thing and I was almost scared of letting everybody else down. So I kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And it just fed a time in my life where I will never get back. Um, but I've learned a lot from, and it's crazy that I'm talking about this right now. Cause I literally just posted on my Instagram today about spending time in treatment. And mm -hmm. it took me six years to actually finally get into a treatment facility because I just didn't know how to let it go. You know, I didn't know how to let it go. And it literally took me one day, my, my boss at the gym that I worked at, she's like, Cheryl, like something's not right. You don't look so well. Like, what are your plans today? And I was like, well, I've got stuff to do. What's up? And she said, I think we should go to the hospital. And so she took me to the hospital and I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, your blood sugar is really low. Your blood pressure is really low. We have to admit you. And, and, um, and that was kind of when they were like, you need to go to treatment. They were like going to put their, my, my heart rate was dropping so low that they were going to put a pacemaker in. So it was at that time that I was like, okay, it's time for me to get better. And so my short answer or my long story of how I got into fitness also became a segue into what almost took me away from fitness yeah. was, um, my eating disorder. And it's, it's sad that it's getting me, giving me goosebumps right now because that was a lot of like, I, I actually have another post that I, I'm going to make recently or coming up soon about it because when I left treatment, they're like, we think you should just not work out anymore. We think you should just do like light stuff, like walking and yoga. And I'm like, do you know who I am? Like <laughs> I'm an intense person. Like I don't know how to do that. So, um, it almost got taken away from me, you know? So it was, it was hard, but I found CrossFit mm -hmm. and it came back into my life. So I was happy. So you went along that whole time, that six year period, like kind of knowing what was happening was wrong. We just didn't know how to fix it. Exactly. Ex ex exactly. So basically, um, sorry, my phone is ringing on my watch. Um, so, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't want to be a hypochondriac. So mm -hmm. I would go online and read, I was reading things. I'm like, I have all these symptoms. I'm thinking all this stuff. No, you're, 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 you're diagnosing yourself is what I was telling myself. So then I was like talking to my parents about it and we, my, my family relationship, it almost, it almost broke apart my family because you know, my dad didn't understand and he would just get angry and cry and get mad. And, and, you know, we would fight a lot about it, but I just, I knew every time I tried to tell myself, I'm just going to eat more. It wouldn't work. I would start eating less. And when my grandmother finally passed away, that was when it got really bad because we were so busy with all the arrangements that I learned that, okay, if I just make myself really busy all the time, I don't think about eating. And then mm. that became a new thing. Yeah. And so I started doing that all the time. And, and so I just, I mean, I knew something was wrong, but it's kind of like, I don't want to relate it to a different disorder or anything, but like cigarette smokers know that smoking cigarettes is bad. And not that this is, they're definitely not, I don't want anybody to think that I'm relating the two because they're definitely very different, but you know, there's, cause there's an addictive thing. The nicotine is addicting in cigarettes, mm. but the same thing, they keep doing it. Yeah. They can't break that habit. And it became this habit that I couldn't stop doing. It became obsessive for me. And, and it was super hard to, if, if I hadn't gone to treatment, I don't know that I ever would have broken free of it because when you're in your own place, it's easy to tell yourself, Oh, well, I'm doing the right things, but you're really not, you're kind of half-assing it. So I, I needed to be taken away from 
myself and be forced to do it because I was trying and it wasn't working. So my question is kind of when you have an eating disorder like that, what drives you to not want to change? Is it like the look, the feeling you have, or just like what other people are saying about you? What, what was not allowing you to change and get better? Yeah, I think it's very different for every person. Um, so for me, there, there was a, a few things that came up. The thought of letting it go, um, I think that there was fear of ex- like not being accepted. Um, you know, I think from the relationship that I was in, I had, I think, convinced myself that I wasn't good enough and that I would only be good enough if I was skinny and that okay. that was the driving force. Um, and I think that coupled with the fact that my life at the time was so chaotic with my, my grandmother, um, like I said, those, those hurricanes literally, you know, like I have a very, my mom's family is, I don't know how to describe it. We all have them in our family, but there was a couple of, of her sisters that said some very emotionally, emotionally abusive things to me during those times. And I was dealing with it in a situation where we were like being evacuated and stuff like that. There was just so many things going on and it was like. I'm going to just control this. So I, I literally, anytime I would try and focus mm-hmm. on anything that was important, I couldn't focus on it. And I would bring myself to focusing on my body and, yeah. and focusing on that. And I just didn't accept myself. Like it wasn't a vanity thing. It wasn't, I didn't think, I didn't even think I looked good. I don't think I ever at one point was like, Oh, I like the way I look in the mirror. It yeah. was more like, Nope, I got to fix that. I got to fix that. And it became obsessive, but it's definitely more of a feeling because mm-hmm. I will tell you now I said, no two people are the same. Cause some people with eating disorders, they do what's called like checking where mm-hmm. they check themselves in the mirror all the time. Yeah. I was the opposite. I wouldn't look in the mirror at all. I didn't know half the time. I couldn't even tell you how I looked. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know how sick I looked until gotcha. I saw pictures. Mm-hmm. And then I would be like, Oh wow, I am skinny. So for me, I think it was definitely more of a feeling than yeah. an actual look that I had. Gotcha. So you're kind of putting all your self-worth into that is what you kind of yeah. what you're saying. And I way. think another, another crazy thing to think about is, um, because there's different eating disorders, right? So with anorexia, which is what I dealt with, um, I didn't ever want to feel full and I always felt full and they say it's very similar. Why, why you feel that is because a lot of times those people have so much going on in their lives that their life is so crazy and full. And that to find space, they're actually using their body as a way to find space in their life where they're creating emptiness in their life because they're so crazy full in their life. So they're, so they're using mm-hmm. emptiness in their body to find emptiness in their life because they have so much going on. So they're creating a sense of peace and calm in that. And on the flip side, somebody with like a binge eating or like a bulimia where they're overeating, um, they might feel really empty or like like their life is very empty or lonely and that they're actually trying to, you know, and I'm definitely, I don't want anybody to think that I'm a psychiatrist or psychologist, but this is just stuff that I've read and studied. So they're trying to fill their feelings with food in an essence. So it's crazy. It's, it's very complicated. It's, it's interesting though, like psychology in general. So, yeah. Yeah. The only knowledge I have of it is health class in like middle school. So I don't know anything, but yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because, um, so something that I've been very fortunate this year is I'm working with uh, a younger population of um, clients that I have that are ballerinas. And if you think about that sport in general, um, the focus on their body and how they were, Oh my gosh, already at 16, 17 years old doing things like keto, intermittent fasting, no meat, 
for an essence to control their body weight. Yeah. And like, I'm educating these girls on nutrition and stuff like that. And I'm like, God, like, I wish I had had somebody when I was in high school, teach me how to eat because I don't think I ever would have gained all that weight. Mm -hmm. All, all I knew from school is like you health class, like you've got your food pyramid, you've got your six to 11 servings of grains. You've got this and that, like the only thing I knew about like body and eating was like what we saw from my, well, my, from my mom who was like weight watchers and my dad was Atkins and my aunt was doing slim fast. Like that was all I ever knew about Mm -hmm. the dieting world. So that's, what I thought. And I remembered the, you know, one of the things I did in treatment was they asked me when I could remember having a negative thought about my body. And I was like, Holy shit. I was like five years old. And I like, remember like being afraid to eat too many grapes on a plate. Like that's how long, because it's been fed to me for, you know, like, and then it was like, when was your first diet? I'm like, I was 10 years old. And I'm like, and I'm like, so it's, it's kind of, it's interesting to me because when I first started working with those girls, I was a little bit scared because I didn't want people to think that I was putting them on a diet and I'm not by any means, they're all fueling themselves perform performance, but they're all, they're, they're all, they all understand macronutrients. They all understand macronutrients. They all understand micronutrients. They all understand the, the importance of fueling their body appropriately for their sport. And they all understand that they're eating, double the amount they were when they started with me and their weight staying the same. Yeah. So I've built a level of trust with these girls to eat more and diet less. And they're doing it the way everybody should be doing it. Understand that food is nourishment. All foods are fine. The amounts of them matter. Eat quality foods most of the time, but sometimes you're going to have a cookie. Like they're learning that. And I'm like, if every kid in high school knew that, I think that there would be no eating disorders because there would be no, focus on the diet. Like if I had known the right way, I probably would have gotten that obsessed with it, you know, but I don't know. It's just a segue. Cause I was thinking about it when I was thinking about the eating disorder issues. Mm-hmm. So no, for sure. Now then how did you ultimately kind of get yourself out of it and then get into CrossFit? So obviously I went to treatment as their inpatient for like three or four months. And then I went to like a, an intensive day, pay, day, day treatment. And like I said, they basically had told me we think you should just not work out. We think you should just do like light stuff. You're going to get too intense with it. Cause I was an intense person and I'm like, okay, I guess. I, and I, and I'm very, when I go into something, I'm a perfectionist. That's the other thing is perfectionist, you know, behavior is me. And so I was afraid of like messing up my recovery at that time. <laughs> so I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm just going to start walking. And that was not enough for me. I'm like, let me start jogging. So I was like, I'm going to start running. I started running. But then I found that my intensity started kicking up. Suddenly my nice jog was like, oh, I just ran five miles in 25 minutes or three miles in 25 minutes. Let's see how far I can run in 30 minutes. And then it was like getting more obsessive again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and I don't know if it was wrong or right at that time. I think that might've just been the athlete in me, but I, I could feel it being like, you know what, this might not be good. So that's not the right thing. So I found a, my brother was doing mixed martial arts at a place called, a place called American Top Team. And, um, I was like, I could do that. Like I wanted to do karate as a kid. So I decided to go in there and try it out. And I really liked it. So I started doing that. And then that was like probably about three months after treatment. And there was a CrossFit gym right next door. And I was like, what the heck is that? And at that point I had no idea what CrossFit was. Um, so I looked at, well, my dad's like, have you checked out that CrossFit gym? I was like, no, what is it? He's like, you should check it out. They have a website. 
Well, I looked up CrossFit and I thought I was looking for theirs, but I found CrossFit.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember the workout was front squat. One, 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 one. I'm mm-hmm. like, they're just going to do one front squat? Like, yeah. that's the workout? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that doesn't seem like enough working out. Like, just five reps. That's the whole workout. Like, I didn't understand it. So I was like, that's not for me. But then I finally decided to jump in and try it. Did my first class and freaking loved it. I was like, oh my God, that was so cool. They put me through Fight Gone Bad. That's what mm-hmm. they did with all their fighters. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is so cool. And they were like, oh, and he's Brazilian. So he's actually like, you're going to be a games athlete. I know it. And I was like, and at that time I was like, oh yeah, what's a games athlete? I had no idea. CrossFit <laughs> Games. And at that time it was like the 2007 is what they're yeah. watching. Right? The 2008 Jason Kalipa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. Yeah. Let's do it. So I dropped the mixed martial arts mm-hmm. and went all in on CrossFit and just started training and loving it, getting, you know, freaking what they call drink of the Kool-Aid, right? Yep. I was in class and I was staying active to do skill work. And back then my skill work was like, I'm going to do 200 push-ups. I don't even think I knew. I'm just going to start doing tons of squat snatches. Yeah. Um, and then I got my level one that year oh, and yeah. started coaching some classes there and decided to go back into the fitness world and i was like this is me this is where i want to be started coaching crossfit again and and that was it mm-hmm. kind of all all downhill from there all uphill from there did you say all downhill or uphill from there all uphill from there <laughs> i said I, I said all downhill but i'm like all uphill <laughs> probably should say uphill i don't know it's, it's a hill yeah i mean a... <laughs> i guess it was climbing it was just i was just doing whatever uh-huh. i don't know <laughs> so then fast forward when did you decide to dive in and get competitive it sounded like you dived you dove in head first but when did you decide to make a push for the games and all that stuff well it's funny because like literally like the first month i was there because like three months later was the first crossfit well the back then it was sectionals mm-hmm. so before there was the open you had the sectionals and the sectionals were every state, I think, had their own sectional. And we were called like the Dirty South. <laughs> and um, Florida sectionals, I don't even know. And then, <laughs> and then from the sectionals, you went to regionals. Yep. And the regionals were very different back then. Every regional had its own programmer. So there was no, no regions were the same workouts. Um, no sectionals were the same workouts. Everything was done by each person. And it's cool because the people that were in my sectional are still big in the CrossFit um, regionals and all that now, but so you paid 50 bucks and they had, you know, top first hundred people that sign up, come to the Florida sectionals. So I signed up and I went and I was like, I got my ass handed to me. Yeah. Like just, I mean, I won the run because I was a good runner, but yeah. like I, could, I was not strong. I mean, I just had come out of eating disorder treatment. So I was smaller mm-hmm. and I was super fit, but barely had to pull up. Um, I couldn't barely swing the 55 pound kettlebell over my head, but I was fit. Like I was super fit. I could outrun anybody. I could out burpee anybody. Yeah. Um, and that was the wake up call for me. That mm-hmm. was where I was like, all right, that's when I was like, I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to put on some weight. I'm going to like get healthy. Like I'm going to, I want to be like, I was so inspired by all of the women that I'm like, I want to be just like them. And, and that's when I kind of went all in and just, I started eating a lot and, just doing everything. I started doing like the zone thing, but I was like way eating more zone blocks. Like the zone blocks would have been not enough for me, but I'm like, I just started like diving all in on everything nutrition. And, and that kind of probably, probably got to me or got me more involved in the nutrition side of CrossFit in general and why it ended up probably being, why I ended up being the nutrition coach at like every CrossFit gym that I've been at is because I kind of dove into that I think mm-hmm. because of my history and everything. So, um, but yeah, that was, that's how I kind of got into it. 
And then you went to the games in 2015, right, on a team? Yeah. Yeah, 2011, 2012, individual, and then 2015, Team New England, and then 2019. And how did you get on Team New England? So, man, I, I have a crazy story. So, in 2011, <laughs> I opened a gym. You, by yourself? Not you by myself. Okay. I had a business partner. Okay. My business partner, I have no problem saying he was not a good person. He had a history, uh, sexual abuse on a minor, um, and Dale Saran, who is Greg Glassman's lawyer, actually contacted me and was like, hey, your business partner's not a good person. So I had to buy out of the gym. And at that time, I was uh, also working with Ben Bergeron. He was my coach at the time. Okay. And um, I had went up there for a competition. Back then, it was the East Coast Championships. And I kind of told him a little bit about what's going on and I was crying. I was like, I, I think I'm going to have to get rid of my gym. You know, I can't afford to pay this guy and, you know, I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, I think you should sell your gym. I think you should. I think it's a good call for you to get out. And if it's right, then you do it again on your own. Um, he's like, but I think you should maybe consider moving. Like you think about maybe coming up here and it's like, what? <laughs> I ended up moving across to New England. I yeah. came home from my trip. I said, mom, I'm moving to Boston. She goes, you're doing what? Like, yeah, I'm moving to Boston. I'm going to go train up across the New England. So I did. <laughs> it was like two months later, I was in my car, like the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Packed up, drove up there. And that's how I ended up starting off. And the first year I was up there, I went individual. And then the second year, I decided to get on the team. Wow. Talk yeah. about something bad turning into something really, really good. Yeah. It was yeah. honestly the best decision I made because. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I, I know that I'm going to have my own gym. It's mm -hmm. something that's becoming more of a vision that's closer than I thought it was going to be. Um, and two, I learned so much. Being up in that area, there is just, not even just Ben himself, but the people up there, the other resources. Reebok One had like Austin Maliolo. James Hobart was up there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just the different experiences I was able to, to have up there. You know, my teammates were awesome. Um, I just, I, I value that time in my life so much because mm -hmm. I made such good connections up there mm -hmm. and I loved it. Now, fast forward to 2019 games. Um, what was that whole experience like for you going in with all these changes, cut system, all these things, not really knowing what was going to happen and what it was going to be like? Oh gosh. Well, the thing is, I honestly, cause I qualified for the open but the way the open went, I didn't find out that I qualified for the games until like the end of May. It was like May or June. I was like, I qualified for the games. Mm -hmm. It was so cool. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, like this is awesome. Um, I think Chrissy Aramo was like one spot ahead of me and I was like two or three spots out, but she decided to go not go. And then I think one of their person. Yeah, that's right. I think up. so. So, um, so yeah. So with the games, the cuts, gosh, like, how do I feel about the cuts? I, I don't, I think it was cool. Yeah. I don't think that every, I, I liked Greg Glassman's concept of we should all have a representative from the country, but then you're changing the reason behind the games. I feel like a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it becomes more of a community thing, right? Yeah. Because you you lose a little think, bit of like the eliteness, I guess. Yeah. Because I mean, for instance, there was a guy that I know that was there and he's like a master's athlete. Like, and he like, I'm telling you, not like the kind of, not like the, not like the fit master. I'm like, yeah, yeah. 
he qualified as like the you know the number one in like jamaica or something like that like and he doesn't even live in jamaica yeah like okay like this is a little bit bizarre yeah so that was a little bit weird for me um i i'm i'm bummed at where i got cut so i got stuck on the i was one of the people that got the shitty lane on the sled workout Hmm. the push one the push of the bar muscle up my sled was literally glued to the ground i'm watching the girls run and i'm like this sled is not that heavy Mm -hmm. and it was literally like pushing through like quicksand i don't even not even i just couldn't push it and i'm like it wasn't a heavy sled it -hmm. just took everything out of me um but what sucked was like i felt like if i had the opportunity to get to that next workout which was my freaking jam mary oh my gosh would have loved that um I would have loved that to been able to do that. I mm-hmm. wish they had done the cuts at the end of the day. Yeah. I think that would have been a little bit better. Yeah. I think that every workout was a little bit much because I felt like I was performing really well. And that just made me feel so bad. Even look at the workouts the next day. I was like, Oh my God, I like would love to do that stuff. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. I was not going to perform well in the clean event. I knew that, but I knew that there was so many, like the, the final workout, the, the, what is it called? The, where they did the Amanda, not Amanda. Oh, like, the standard. Well, yeah, the standard. Yeah. Just all of that stuff was like, oh, this would have been so fun, but yeah. it is what it is. And I enjoyed it. it, it the experience was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully who knows what's going to happen this year. I mean, you never know. <laughs> this has been seriously. Awesome. It's, 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 I mean, yeah. When we were talking last time, like mm-hmm. none of this stuff was even going on, it's right? Crazy. Like a new freaking yeah. New order of CrossFit. It's crazy. I know. I was going to say, like, we talk about 2019 like it was crazy and weird, but then 2020 comes and it's just, 2019 is just yeah. not even close to that. I know. I don't even know how to describe it. Every time I put my face mask on and go in somewhere, I'm like, is this reality? Yeah. Like, what the? It's reality. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, Cheryl, now you are 35. Is yeah. That how old you are? Yeah. And you're still going, still competing in the. With the regular, the, with, I don't Crazy. know what you call it, the division. Yeah. How long do you see yourself doing that for? It's funny because, um, so where I'm at right now, I still want to compete. I, I, I kept going back and forth. I don't want to compete. I want to compete. I, wanna, I freaking love competition. Yeah. I love training. I do. I love training for competition. I'm not the kind of person that can go into a workout and be like, yeah, I'm just going to walk through it today. It's just not who mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. Um, I will probably train competitively as long as i feel like good i'll I'll probably train the same way as long as i feel good what i will say is i i have stopped putting so much emphasis on my performance per se so like like i was saying right like two years ago my life was completely different i could go to the gym come home take a nap and chill and you know, coach a CrossFit class, do this and that. I, I didn't have a lot of responsibilities because I didn't want them. I wanted to be able to focus on training. So I lived in a, in a bedroom in my aunt's house for a little while when I came home and, and I was fine with that. But now like I've found that, that my passion has grown and I've sacrificed a lot of that time for my passion of like helping other people. So I don't have that life anymore. And mm-hmm it was for a little while getting to me, like I would get upset and cry and get emotional because I felt like my, my workouts were suffering. I was like, this sucks. Like, I don't yeah. feel good. Like feel shitty. I didn't get a chance to warm up and make it on the seat. Now I'm like, you know what, Cheryl, it doesn't matter. Like you're going to stay fit. Like you're still going to be fit. Like 
So what if like that doesn't feel good that day, go in and do something else. Like, so to answer your question, I, I definitely still want to compete. Um, I just don't want it to be so stressful. On yeah. me. I, I don't want to do open workouts three times anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't want to <laughs> like, I don't want to feel that pressure of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've pushed this year to gain weight because I want to be able to compete. And I knew that in order to do that, I had to put a little bit of weight back on. So, you know, I, I've definitely worked really hard at that and I definitely feel good about that. So I want to be able to see how that goes this year. Um, I would, if I qualify, I would like to be in the regular, not the masters, but I would also not be opposed to, you know, doing the masters as well. So I don't know. Sam Briggs still does both. So yeah. (laughs) He's a freaking monster. Yeah. yeah. What's cool, I guess. And what about what you just said is who knows if like, if this is even going to be true in two weeks, I don't know, but like you could still be competitive not go to the games and just like compete at high level sanctionals. Exactly. You know, but who knows if that's even going to be a thing. Yeah, well, that was the cool thing is I actually I loved regionals, by the way, I do. I I do miss it. But I loved the thought of like now your experiences can be so much better. Like you're not just going to Madison, Wisconsin. You're going to Africa. You're going to Ireland. You're going to Miami. You're going to California and you're still training with the same people and you're still pushing yourself because I think the biggest thing that I hated about smaller competitions, because I have no problem doing local stuff just because it's fun. Yeah. Um, it's not the competition. The camaraderie is going to be there, whether you're in, you know, Florida or you're in Madison, Wisconsin. But the standard of the judging and the quality yeah. of the competition is diluted. Yeah. And so having the sanctionals being high class, like you would get in a games event or a regionals event, is something that is cool. And that's really the only, that's why I would love to do that kinds of stuff because you know, it is higher quality than you're, I'm going to get at a local, I'm not going to a gym where there's like freaking caution tape in front of my, in yeah. front of my barbell. <laughs> it's an actual like lane, yeah. you know? So, yep. um, but yeah. Yeah. I, I have a feeling regionals is going to come back at some point. I would say the same thing. I just think that there's going to be some level of it. Um, they yeah. have to do something. I would think so. I think the qualifying process just going open to games was a little too weird. But I do think I do think the sanctionals are here to stay in some way. Maybe not all maybe not all of them, maybe not thirty of them or whatever, but I think so. Yeah, the big agreed. Ones. I think that they'll stay. And I think that I don't remember what it's called, but um the functional fitness federation or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Um, not. I believe it's like an OPEX thing. Okay. Okay. Uh, say functional fitness. So they're trying, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Gretchen Kittleberger. I know that she's a big okay. into it. She's like one of the head honchos of it. They're trying to create a sport, CrossFit, where it's actually going to eventually be put into the Olympics. Yeah. It's, it's CrossFit type stuff, right? I don't know the name of it. It's like USA Functional Fitness or something like that. And they're trying to create like a governing body and everything. And so that'll probably be coming, becoming a little bit bigger. I haven't really looked more into that, but... Yeah, um, I've, yeah, I've heard a little bit about that. I've heard some people talk good, and a lot of people talk bad about that. Like yeah. I know Bergeron does not like that idea. Yeah, last time I heard he him has, talk about it, but yeah, he's—I think he's very much about purists with the Olympics, yeah, and sports and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So he doesn't really see CrossFit as a sport, even though he coaches it. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah. All right, Cheryl, I'm gonna throw a couple curveballs at you. Is that all right? Yeah, sure. So first off, what is one thing about you that most people don't know? Oh, geez. One thing about me that most people don't know. I know. Putting you on the spot. I'm trying to think. 
Um, I feel like I'm really on the spot. Um, okay, this is going to be interesting. I was bit by a raccoon. When? Where? Why? That's <laughs> so crazy, right? I'm like trying to think of the most awkward thing That's ever. It's kind of scary. I, um, I don't like that. I don't like that you just told I, me um, that. I, <laughs> I was, like I said, I used to be a, a vet tech and I yeah. wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, so I was working at a wildlife center and I was feeding a blind, a blind raccoon and I got bit. You were That's feeding a blind raccoon. Yeah, I, I reached in to put the food in, and he thought my hand was the food. He grabbed my hand instead of the, that. What um, did it feel like? Uh, it hurt. Like a lot? I think or... the worst part about yeah. it was I had to get rabies vaccine, rabies shots. Oh. And that was miserable. It, honestly, if I could tell you something that, that some of you don't know about me, if you ever have to experience that, you will know what I mean. They basically I hope take, I do not ever have to. Oh, my but... gosh. They inject you with stuff like right in your hips, and it's okay. like thick, like molasses. Oof. Um, yeah, my first job was Burger King. That's kind of interesting considering the, the, the field okay. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was selling Whoppers in the drive-thru as my first job. So those nice. are two kind yeah. of Yeah. Those are good ones. The raccoon <laughs> one's really good. You might know about me. Yeah. That, that <laughs> raccoon one kind of scares me, but <laughs> sounds good. Okay. So now what would you say is the biggest driving force or motivating factor for you in your life just to do what you do? word that came to mind was impact. Okay. If I think back to um, when I was a kid and everything that I wanted to do, I wanted to be famous. And if I think back to what I do now, I actually wanted to be an athlete. And I wanted to be famous for being an athlete. I wanted to be, I thought I was going to be in the Olympics. I didn't know what it was going to be Olympics for. But the reason I wanted to be famous wasn't because I wanted to be like, oh, look at me, look at me. I wanted to have a voice. And back then I didn't really know what I wanted to talk about, but I wanted to inspire people. And so I think that I've over time, you know, started to find that person in myself is I want people to find their best self. Um, I want people to find the person that they are, want to be, not the person that they think they have to be. And so it's why I love what I do as a coach. Um, you know, it's why I'm starting to really harness in on getting people to find what's called their inner athlete. Um, and so like, that's my biggest thing right now is, is just creating impact and, and helping to inspire the world, people to be better, take care of themselves more, you know, put themselves first sometimes, you know, um, that's probably the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. It's really cool. Yeah. So now that kind of brings me to my next question before I let you go, what are some, what is some advice or words of wisdom you can offer to the listeners out there? If you're an athlete, um, patience, that's number one. And on, even if you're not an athlete, patience. Um, if you are an athlete, you're a driven individual. Uh, so you want everything today. Mm -hmm. So um, even myself, I want everything today. I want everything done today. And if there's one thing that you need, it's patience. Patience um, and focus. And so the more we become impatient, the more we lose our focus, right? Because instead of focusing on what we need to work on, we're focusing on all the things that are making it not happen and we're not focusing on what's important. So if instead you just remind yourself, be patient, enjoy the process, trust the process, um, that's probably the, the number one piece of advice I can give anybody in any aspect of their life. That's good. Definitely easier said than done for sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. I get a lot of impatient dieters for sure. So Yeah, like, that's probably the worst one, right? 
Yeah. Is dieting. dieting. Everybody thinks like it's gonna happen today, or if it doesn't happen yeah. today, it's gonna happen a week. If it doesn't happen a week, you why know, is it ten, moving you know? so slow? <laughs> pounds a week. That's pretty fast. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> Physiologically, it's pretty fast. Well, it is hard in a world like today where all you see is like thirty day everything. Yep. Exactly. You know, which doesn't yeah. really work, but. Nope. All right. Well, Cheryl, where can people find you and learn more about you? Um, okay. So, uh, Instagram, Cheryl Nasso, Facebook, Cheryl Nasso. And I actually just started my own podcast. So that's new. Um, it's called the inner athlete. Um, and I'm only three episodes in and mine is not going to be as good as yours just yet. because I don't have any (laughs) fancy equipment. I'm using my laptop. It's awesome. It's great. And, uh, yeah. So, and I, I'm just kind of just trying to, like I said, just create more impact. So those are the three places you can find me right now. And so what, what kind of, what do you talk about? What do you do? So right now my podcast, um, this is episode three uh, that I just did. So I'm really trying to get people to find their inner athlete. So my first um, one, I talked a little bit about what that really is. Um, And the inner athlete is not somebody who necessarily has to be an athlete. Maybe they were an athlete. Maybe they want to be an athlete. They aspire to be an athlete. But either way, they have the qualities of an athlete, which is not hung up in your results or where you place. It's that person that knows what it feels like to be committed to something to have a coach tell them what to do and to go do it and execute and not think about the results because they know that it's going to happen. Um, and knowing that, that that piece of that person can drive them in other areas of their life, whether it is in fitness, whether it is in their diet, whether it is in their life or their business or their family, um, if you take that steadfast behavior that you use as being an athlete and you use it in other areas, it's going to create so much, so much more for you and so much more success for you. So um, Right now, um, I eventually I do want to have interviews, um, but right now, like I've started to focus on the first one, I talk a little bit about fat loss because um, I'm a nutrition coach. The second one, I talk a little bit about CrossFit. Um, so it's going to be all focused on fitness, nutrition. Um, I think I said like edu- education, inspiration, um, and a little bit of entertainment along the way. You know, so just kind of like making sure that people are getting a good blend of those three things. Um, probably put some Q and A's out there for people that have questions about training. Um, nutrition, uh, programming, stuff like that as well. Um, I just wanted to be a resource for people. Awesome. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cheryl, thanks a lot for talking to me today, making time. I appreciate it. Awesome. No, thank you for having me. This is super cool. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Up Before You podcast. Thank you, everyone, and have a great day.